Welcome to World of Soundtracks, a monthly podcast where we explore storytelling aspects in films and TV through music. Whether it is comparing book adaptations, observing themes over a series, or microanalyzing the choice of instruments, we look at how the story is told and moves us. I am your host, Ruth Mudge, and today we'll be looking at the 2009 miniseries of Emma. The 2009 miniseries of Emma was at the end of another wave of Austin adaptations through British television and Masterpiece Theatre in America, with four adaptations in 2007. The screenwriter, Sandy Welch, was known for her adaptations of Elizabeth Gaskell's North and South, as well as a miniseries of Jane Eyre. One of the nice parts of having a longer adaptation is that there is more time to focus on both Emma's matchmaking with Harriet as well as Frank and Jane's hidden relationship. Often the movies have to choose which one to focus on. It also is less focused on comedy than the movies, wanting to be a little more well-rounded with the characters, and perhaps a bit more sympathetic as well. This also means that we see some of the characters apart from Emma, filling in details and emotions that she does not see. It is colorful and vibrant, but also perhaps the most melancholy of the three, since there is a lot more focus on how the losses that Emma, Frank, and Jane experienced as children affected their journeys as adults. The music aids in this balance of witty and fun with a melancholy. Like the 1995 miniseries of Pride and Prejudice, the main theme is used for the main heroine and changes along with her journey, while other characters will have themes and instruments that vary less, such as Mr. Elton. This also intentionally straddles the line between being a modern score and having roots in the classical period. This is something desired by the director Jim O'Hanlon and the composer Samuel Sim. Samuel Sim is a British composer and has primarily written for TV series. This score was nominated for Best Score by the Royal Television Society in 2009. He has won for that category since for the main theme of Home Fires in 2015, which is a fantastic theme featuring women voices in cello that I highly recommend. His breakout film was a dramatized documentary of Dunkirk, starring Benedict Cumberbatch in 2004. Of all the adaptations, this one has quite a variety, not only in styles and number of themes, but also using the full breadth of a modern orchestra, including a lot more percussion and brass. Some characters will have specific instruments associated with their themes, which we'll notice as we go along. The main theme for Emma, both the character and the series, is introduced right away at the beginning in the most classical part of this miniseries, in the piano. The piano and the clarinet are the two instruments used for Emma herself in this version, the clarinet adding a bittersweet quality and the piano used for intimate moments, as well as an instrument that can go from a concerto to dreamlike minimalism and everything in between. I do find it amusing that the clarinet was also the main instrument for Emma in the 1996 movie. The miniseries opens with a narration from Mr. Knightley. It is interesting that this version chooses Mr. Knightley, while the 1996 movie chooses Mrs. Weston, both characters who have known the family for a long time. We get a history of the family, as well as the early beginnings of Emma, Frank, and Jane, beginning with a cheerful version of the theme in the piano, matching a classical piano concerto using a nice consistent rhythmic accompaniment in the flute and strings, using trills and suspensions in the style of Mozart, 
as well as the sudden change to minor, imitating this 26th piano concerto by Mozart, movement number one. While the opening does resemble Mozart, it does also have a few modern twists, such as a harp glissando. Having it mostly classical sounding helps set their series in the Regency period, as well as matching the sense of history as the beginnings are laid out. The clarinet is added, and the theme becomes minor as the mother dies, and the coffin is taken out, the focus being on Mr. Woodhouse protecting his daughters as the solo piano returns. The style begins to change a little and returns to minor as young Frank Churchill is handed off to his aunt and uncle following his mother's death, the theme returning in minor flute, then violins. At the end of this introduction, the clarinet plays the main motif, or beginning of the main melody one last time, as Mr. Knightley narrates that life continued to be sunny for Emma, with very little to vex her for years to come. This clarinet motif is used several times for transitions throughout the miniseries. It's a bit amusing because the 1996 movie of Emma does the same thing with the clarinet playing the beginning of the main melody to transition scenes. This leads us into the main title theme, which is the full orchestral expression of this theme and opens all the episodes after the first one. This is cheery with the violins and flutes soaring with the main theme, cellos doubling it later on, and the clarinet and horns adding both color and moving patterns underneath. There are also a few chimes sprinkled throughout, hinting at church or wedding bells, 
matching all the weddings and matchmaking that is shown visually in the opening sequence. After the main titles, we again hear clarinet play the opening motif over harp as we transition to Emma, whether she is bored playing with dolls in the first episode or reading with Harriet in the second. The harp is an instrument that adds a bit of delicacy, romance, and high status, and here it has an almost improvisatory nature. This theme is not only the main theme for the series, but is the main theme for Emma and her journey. In particular, it is used for her relationship with Mr. Knightley. Mr. Knightley has his own theme and instrument in the cello, and these often get paired together as the series progresses. In fact, this cello theme is first introduced while the violins are playing Emma's theme over it, as Mr. Knightley walks over to tell Emma of what he perceives to be good news regarding Harriet and Mr. Martin even though it turns out that Harriet, in fact, has already refused Robert Martin. There is both a classical and romantic nature to this theme. It is clearly imitating one of the most famous cello pieces, Bach's prelude from his first cello suite in G major. Mr. Knightley's theme, the cello imitates these changes of chords and string crossings, but takes it slower, making it a bit more melodic and a duet with the main melody. The clarinet plays at the end as it transitions to Emma, helping her father prepare for a walk. This is Mr. Knightley's walk. As a cellist myself, this is definitely one of my favorite tracks to listen to. There are many other moments that use the clarinet and piano for Emma and the cello for Mr. Knightley, some that we will look at and some that are not on the soundtrack. That's always good to be aware of when listening and watching this miniseries. After all, with a four-episode series, I can't cover everything, but those instruments are used quite a lot for them throughout, even outside of their main themes. A little hint of their melody is used in the horn over minor arpeggios in the piano, after they argue over Harriet and Mr. Martin. And Mr. Knightley tells Emma that she will bitterly regret her meddling one day, and she watches him walk away. As he walks away, the cello plays a scale going up, 
increasing the tension before going into credits. Using scalar motion to increase tension with walking up or going down is a method used several times in this miniseries. plays again in clarinet and piano as they reconnect in seeking to provide harmony amongst their extended family for Christmas dinner, and then as Mr. Knightley comes across Emma holding their niece. This version is a bit more slow and gentle to match the feeling of reconciliation and connection. There is also a variation of the theme as we see the transition from winter to spring in the piano and strings. The piano returns with the main theme after Mr. Weston makes a promise slash wager with Emma that he will bring Frank over the next day. This hints at her excitement at finally meeting Frank, as well as some expectations of possible romance in the future. Meanwhile, Mr. Knightley's theme opens the third episode as he is again walking. Music often accompanies transitions to different scenes or as people travel in Jane Austen adaptations. And as Emma is relatively stationary in her location compared to the other novels, it makes sense to have music accompany Mr. Knightley, who likes to walk, as he goes to visit Emma or the Westons. One of the most important and recognizable moments of the main theme is Emma and Mr. Knightley's dance together. With the story of Emma, there is always the choice whether to use the special dance music for when Mr. Knightley rescues Harriet or when he dances with Emma. Here they choose to use the special dance to highlight their relationship. The piece is changed from being in four to being in three, which is a common feel for many dances, including the waltz, and the accompaniment reflects that switch, while the melody shortens the notes at the end of each measure to match the feel. It uses a smaller string ensemble to match the sound of the rest of the ball, which uses strings and flute, but the piano is added for Emma's instrument and again to make it more special in comparison to the other dances. There is an intimacy in using a smaller ensemble, and the music reflects the happiness seen in both characters.
this version in three returns when Mr. Knightley remembers the dance later on, at this point becoming aware of his feelings for Emma. Later on, the piano plays the main melody as he observes to Emma how at home she looks at Danwell Abbey. The melody for Mr. Knightley is played in the harp. As Emma looks at the picture of Box Hill, a present and idea from Mr. Knightley, and then transitions to the actual location. Even when the other character might not be physically present, their theme is heard in the remembrance and influence. The main theme is played much more slowly in piano chords and clarinet, with very little filling in the space when Mr. Knightley is leaving, becoming minor as he says goodbye and almost kissing her hand. Emma is much more subdued, having just come from visiting Miss Bates, and the intimacy and slower tempo matches the mood. This exact version returns after Emma learns that Harriet is in love with Mr. Knightley and believes that he felt the same. The cello and piano begin to have a dialogue over the harp as Emma speaks to herself, realizing how blind she has been and realizing that she herself is in love with Mr. Knightley. As she realizes this, the violins soar with her melody, but in minor because she believes it is too late. Of course, considering the theme has hit some of the major points of their relationship, then it would make sense for it to appear during the proposal. The music takes some ups and downs with major and minor as the emotions change. Becoming minor as Mr. Knightley is worried about how Emma will react, overall being quieter and more intimate in this version instead of big romantic swells heard in other versions. But it matches this adaptation, highlighting how both characters are unsure of how the other feels and growing slowly in hope. It draws you into their special moment, and the harp is added near the end to add to the romance. When Emma responds, taking his face into her hands, and then they kiss, the main melody plays in piano and clarinet, again in three. This is their version together, whether it is their dance, their kiss, or the end.
Emma has a bit of a freakout that they can't marry as she can't leave her father. And after Mr. Knightley tells her that he will live with them at Hartfield, his cello theme returns, and then the clarinet transitions, beginning with the main melody, but changing as they go to tell Mr. Woodhouse their good news. It also includes a lot of suspensions that almost feel like sighs in the violins. It is minor as Emma is apprehensive to tell her father, but Mr. Knightley holds her hand in support. The dance version comes back in full orchestration, beginning with the melody in the clarinet and then in cellos with piano as they leave for their honeymoon. As they arrive at the seaside, the French horn plays a melody followed by soaring violins, which are used for big climaxes and romantic moments as the series comes to a close. Using the version in three and hearing a similar accompaniment harkens back to the dance and the big moments in their relationship while maintaining the main melody book ending the series having heard the melody when Emma was born and now as she is happily married. It followed her journey throughout, but particularly her journey with love and Mr. Knightley. Speaking of bookends, there is a track that is used near the beginning and near the end that bookends Emma's matchmaking career, and that is the track Dolls. This matches some of the more lighthearted music heard in the series, with fun string patterns and the melody in the violins. 
This melody also has a waltz feel to it. A glissando in the glockenspiel sounds like bells that transitions to and from weddings. In the beginning, from John and Isabella's wedding, to noticing Miss Taylor and Mr. Weston looking at each other in church. And then at the end, it is used for Robert Martin and Harriet's wedding over the flute and violin melody. There are also pauses used for comedy and matching what is seen on screen originally with her plotting and then later on being content with how everything turned out. This theme is also used partway through as Emma and Mrs. Weston catch sight of Frank Churchill in the window visiting Jane. It could be seen as matchmaking now from Mrs. Weston's point of view, a fake foreshadowing of Emma and Frank together, or an actual foreshadowing of Frank and Jane together. Unlike many of the other Jane Austen adaptations, which often have two or three main themes that carry through, this one seems to have a mixture of main themes for a few characters, and others that are only featured a handful of times, giving a greater variety of moods and storytelling ideas. One of these themes that is presented only a handful of times is a minor theme that again resembles a waltz and connected to Emma's matchmaking. It is first heard in the clarinet as a letter arrives for Harriet from Robert Martin and she sits down to read it. The flute added as she opens it, with harp and trombones added for color, along with the piano playing the melody as she runs to tell Emma. This is a romantic moment for Harriet that we all know will be dashed soon. This theme returns in the end, very slowly in the clarinet, 
when Emma realizes that Harriet has fallen in love with Mr. Knightley instead of Frank Churchill. It is more somber over minor chords, and the waltz pattern is gone in the accompaniment. What began as a fun scheme to find Harriet a better man has turned into a personal nightmare. There is another matchmaking theme that also bookends Emma's plans for Harriet and Mr. Elton, which is quite humorous and involving more stops and starts. The clarinet is present over these short notes, which also includes a xylophone, a very unusual instrument to include in Austin adaptations, which adds a little sneaky color and percussion, as Emma suggests to Mr. Elton that Harriet would make an excellent subject for a painting. Many instruments play a note here and there to match the humor on screen, and change the color, from bassoon and bass clarinet to harp and violins. comes back, especially in the violin patterns, once Emma starts to realize at the Weston's Christmas party that Mr. Elton is showing her very marked attentions. He was doing it all along from that first moment, and she just couldn't see it. It's a fun way of musically hearing his attentions in the beginning of her schemes, and then starting to realize that it wasn't turning out the way she had hoped. Speaking of Mr. Elton, he has one of the themes that reoccurs the most throughout the series. His theme is also in the cello, but in the Baroque style. Less vibrato, more double stops, which are two notes played at the same time, and more affectation, similar to this cello sonata by the 1700s composer Luigi Baccarini. Mr. Elton's is both simple, yet adds little frills to sound fancy in giving itself airs. It also includes more pauses and stops, due to being a slightly more comical character or in comical scenarios. We first hear it when Emma mentions to Harriet that they should think of superior men and see Mr. Elton, passing him on their way to visit the poor. We often hear it when Mr. Elton is arriving on horseback to visit Hartfield. Even if we can't see his face, we know through the music who is visiting. I'm also amused to hear a lot of French horns in that moment, which is often associated with heroes. For Mr. Helton is a hero in his own story. And of course, we can't ignore that bassoon is also present as he comes across them painting, the instrument of comedy and self-important clergyman. <laughs> 
reappears as Emma entrusts the painting into his care, in the middle of her argument with Mr. Knightley. It also plays as Emma and John Knightley have to wait for the carriage to pick him up for the Weston's Christmas party. Mr. Elton is excited for the party, even though Harriet is ill. John is keenly aware that his interest is in Emma, and Emma is confused. However, this theme doesn't stick just with Mr. Elton, but also expands to time with both the Eltons. For example, when Mrs. Elton arrives in church for the first time, and he looks on proudly, and then again as he leads the donkey to Donwell Abbey with Mrs. Elton on it on the way to strawberry picking. This is, in fact, the exact same music first used for superior men in the painting. In contrast, Robert Martin gets the saddest music of all the themes, being in minor and a bit melancholy in the violin when he goes to see Mr. Knightley for his advice before proposing. It gets dramatic with a harp and brass as he almost turns away, and Mr. Knightley calls him in. The violin theme plays again later when Mr. Knightley passes him in the field after his rejection. is also used for sadder emotional moments in relation to Miss Bates. At the beginning, during the opening narration, 
violin-broken chords play as they have to say goodbye to Jane before they had to move to a smaller place. We see the ladies cry as Miss Bates tries to stay strong for both her mother and Jane, giving a depth to this character often portrayed as comical. This use of the violin has been used for a long time to create drama and excitement, from Vivaldi and Bach to the soundtrack of The Village by James Newton Howard. Here is an example by composer and violinist Eugene Uzai in his Violin Sonata No. 2 written in 1923, which also includes the famous Dies Irae theme. The sad version of violin arpeggios returns as Emma does some self-reflection in how she treated Miss Bates at the picnic, then walks through the village to visit Miss Bates, feeling judged by the people walking by her. It is an interesting connection musically, as this moment is when Emma herself is humbled and brought low. There is also very little action outside of the violin to give space for the turmoil in her emotions, but also the stillness as she reflects at home. There are regrets in her conduct as she has to deal with the consequences of how she acted towards Miss Bates.
As you could hear in this last example, this miniseries includes a little bit of electronic music or sound manipulation in the background. It has a unique combination of looking back with memories, as well as moments of Emma's imaginations and daydreams throughout the story. Often the dreams are accompanied by subtle use of electronic music reflecting memories and different perspectives. The first memory occurs as Mrs. Weston leaves, with Miss Bates mentioning that it will feel like a ghost house, accompanied with some higher electronic synth-like sounds and manipulations. The piano enters as Emma walks upstairs, and then the two are combined to give it a dreamlike quality as she remembers and sees a young version of herself and Isabella playing with Miss Taylor. It is both melancholy to match Emma's mood, but also sweet in the memories at the same time. The next one is even more subtle, in that a repeated note in the piano continues almost like an echo or a fade-out. This occurs as Frank Churchill is stumbling around trying to tell Emma about Jane, that she probably has noticed his relationship, but in fact makes it really unclear, insinuating that he could be in love with Emma. While this is not necessarily a memory, he is referring to his past mixed with his future, and the musical idea will return later. These two themes or musical ideas are then combined as she prepares to see Frank Churchill for the first time since that moment. The clarinet plays the theme that occurred when she thought she was in love with him as she prepares to enter the ballroom in anticipation. But then as she realizes that he is in fact not in love with her, the electronic ethereal music from her memory of Miss Taylor returns as she realizes in a voiceover that she doesn't seem to mind. After that ball, Emma tries to plunk out 
one of the songs she had danced with Frank on the pianoforte, while underneath we hear strings with a little electronic music mixed in, as the audience sees Frank riding hard, and Harriet in the woods talking to a friend, before seeing Harriet arriving at Hartfield being carried by Frank. This leads to one of the most dramatic exaggerations in the music, as Emma pictures a scene of Frank arriving as a knight in shining armor to Harriet's rescue, complete with French horns for the heroic arrival, to the harp glissandos and cymbal crashes as Harriet faints in his arms. Turn to the repeated note in distortion when Mr. Knightley comes to the conclusion that Emma must love Frank and so leaves after trying to plant the idea that there may be something happening between Jane and Frank to no avail. A new electronic sound, almost like a knocking, is introduced and it occurs between repeated bells when Emma learns of Frank's engagement and then sees flashes of memory both of Frank and Jane in a new light but also trying to make sense of his interactions with her. There's again a dreamlike sound with overlapping parts as she sifts through this. Part of her main melody plays in the flute, as she admits that she thought she had been in love with him, but that was not in fact the case. The last time this repeated knocking and hints of memory in the electronics occur is at the end with Mr. Woodhouse by himself at Hartfield, right before Emma says goodbye to leave for her honeymoon. No memories are shown, but it hints that he is remembering Emma as a young girl before having to say goodbye, even for a short period. There's another bookend of electronics. Emma remembering the past at the beginning with Miss Taylor and Mr. Woodhouse at the end. Returning to dramatic music, some of the most quirky or dramatic moments occur with the larger Knightley family. The first time is in the anticipation of their arrival for Christmas. That sounds like a waltz, but slightly quirky or odd, which reminds me a little bit of Dance Macabre by Camille Cesson, a French composer from the late 1800s.
There is always a bit of a dance that occurs in the family dynamics, as they both love each other, but drive each other a little nuts, especially when it comes to John Knightley and Mr. Woodhouse. One of the most dramatic parts is when it is announced by John Knightley that it is snowing at the Weston's party, and chaos ensues. The situation sounds dire, with minor string patterns, and the piano plays with the French horns going up, resembling great heroic music, as Mr. Knightley returns to announce that it isn't that bad. Everyone rushes to get the carriages ready, with glissandos and the harp and flute, to the bassoon returning at the end as John tells Emma that Mr. Elton can escort her home. It's a fantastic little sequence of humor. Another amusing, dramatic moment is played in Bells, as Emma is shocked and frustrated by Mrs. Elton after having them over for tea. As she speaks to herself about the whole situation, string patterns play in a fun, swirling waltz matching her emotions. This specific track is a recent addition, as Samuel Sim released an extended version on iTunes in 2019 to celebrate the 10th year anniversary. This is called Biscuits, Darling. Thank you. 
another section imitating a dance is when Frank and Emma decide to throw a ball and start impulsively dancing at the crown. While one would expect this to also have a waltz pattern, considering how many moments have that feel, it instead gives a syncopated rhythm similar to a cha-cha, which you could hear in the bass part. A cha-cha has a feel of one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two. So it sounds a little bit like this in the bass. Da, 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 da. The music begins with the harp and bells, switching later to the piano and flute as they start planning. The violin enters as they dance around, giving a taste of the sound of the dancing to come. Speaking of the ball, I know I already covered the special dance for Emma and Mr. Knightley, but the rest of the dances fall into the traditional category. Many Austin adaptations choose folk or traditional tunes for their dances, using an ensemble of strings and a flute. Here Samuel Sim wrote the tunes himself in the style of folk and traditional music. This makes him stand out from the other adaptations, which use either original music or adapt music already existing. Very few actually imitate the style of music, which in itself is a bit more unusual and fun. This adaptation also adds a little percussion, such as a tambourine and a bodron, which is an Irish hand drum, to add a little more rhythm and color in a few of the dances. The ball opens with Emma and Frank Churchill dancing to the town square. Music chosen for the ball is often a mixture of music in the background during conversation, and then intentional for telling the story as we follow the protagonists as they dance. The dance where Mr. Knightley comes to Harriet's rescue, for example, is important because Mrs. Elton chooses the tune, and then decides to sit it out, probably because she felt it was beneath her. This shows her arrogance in trying to show her superiority and gentility. It also spurs Mr. Elton to find a new partner and leading to rejecting Harriet. Since Ship's Cook is a very upbeat dance, it also highlights Harriet and Emma's joy at the end, as well as giving the audience joy to see Mr. Knightley enjoying himself, even if he disliked dancing as a general rule.
final portion that tells the audience a lot about the characters is the contrast between Emma and Jane Fairfax as they perform at the Coles. Emma chooses a traditional song, The Bluebells of Scotland, both charming and relatively easy to sing and play. This is about the Jacobite revolution regarding loving a Highland lad who had gone off to war, but that love will keep him safe. Interestingly, Frank Churchill joins in to sing a verse that is less common than the traditional four verses. Here are two of the verses of the traditional song, the first sung by Emma. Oh, where, tell me where, has your Highland laddie gone? He's gone with stringing banners where noble deeds are done. And it's oh, in my heart, I wish him safe at home. Oh, where, tell me where, did your Highland laddie dwell? He dwelt in Bonnie, Scotland, where blooms the sweet blue bell. And it's oh, in my heart, I loved my laddie well. Ironically, this Scottish folk song was written by Anglo-Irish actress Dora Jordan, who has a fascinating history. As this is a traditional song published in 1801, there are a lot of stylistic variations available, which I encourage you to check out. You can find everything from lullaby piano to bagpipes to a Leroy Anderson arrangement to swing to Bing Crosby. Here it is sung by John McDermott. Oh, where, tell me where has your healing laddie gone? Oh, where, tell me where has your healing laddie gone? He's gone with streaming banners where noble deeds are done and it's all in my heart I wish him safe at him Jane, in turn, first plays the first movement of Piano Sonata 21 by Ludwig van Beethoven, which shows off her superior piano skills. Beethoven is often used in Austin adaptations, either for the piano music or music that inspires the style of the accompanying soundtrack. The first movement is, of course, shortened to match the scene, while Emma, in turn, talks to Mr. Knightley and Mrs. Weston. This piano sonata was written in 1804 and is played here by Vladimir Ashkenazi. Frank Churchill then tries to encourage Jane to sing three ballads, but after a little pushback both from Jane herself and Mr. Knightley, she agrees to sing one. Nobody Loves Like an Irishman, a very appropriate choice giving her friendship with the Dixons, and slightly mean and misleading from Frank, already aware of Emma's impression that there was a love affair between Mr. Dixon and Jane. This is also a refrain that was in Jane Austen's own manuscript, of songs possibly after or from her little interlude with Irish Tom Lefroy. The tricky part of this song is that the words were set to a famous tune by Looney Dunigan in the 1950s, which is a very different style being oldies rock. There is a version of the melody that is used in this adaptation on YouTube, but I couldn't find a version to share here, which is a shame, because it was also used for both for the end of that episode as Emma contemplates over the possibility of Mr. Knightley admiring Jane and sending her the pianoforte, as well as the beginning of the next episode, imagining Mr. Knightley coming home to her playing the piano and playing that specific song. I will include a link on the Facebook page to the YouTube version. 
This song then becomes diegetic music, music from the world and yet part of the score for the audience, connecting it to that scene. Emma's theme is also diegetic, being used in the ball. It switches the order, however, as it is known by the audience first, and then becoming part of the world for Emma and Mr. Knightley's dance. There are even more musical cues both in the soundtrack and the series, but I can't cover all of them since it is a four-hour miniseries and quite a variety. I encourage you to listen to the whole soundtrack as it is both a lot of fun and also quite a few different moods to help tell this rich and varied version of Emma, from the charming to the humor in matchmaking to the overdramatic moments to the serious emotional beats. A lot is covered, especially since there are relatively few themes that carry through the whole series, outside of the main theme, choosing instead to connect smaller threads instead of larger ones throughout. However, there is overall still a connecting charm, an instrumental connection, especially Emma's instruments of the piano and clarinet and Mr. Knightley's cello that help bring a cohesiveness to this story. Next month, we are going to continue or finish this three-part series on adaptations of Emma with Isabel Waller-Bridge's score from the 2020 movie. I love the score because it catches Jane Austen's wittiness in music, but I am aware that it is also a bit controversial in style. You can join in on discussing all the musical moments regarding this Emma, or all of them, on the Facebook group, World of Soundtracks, or on Twitter and Instagram at WO Soundtracks. I would love to know your favorite musical moment or track from this mini-series. Feel free also to like and subscribe, to share with friends, or even give a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Amazon. I highly recommend subscribing so you don't miss when the next episode comes out at the end of each month. Until next time, happy listening! A special thanks to all those involved to make this podcast happen especially Edith Mudge for the title music and Lindsay Bergsma for the graphics. This is World of Soundtracks. <laughs>